0: Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, welcome back to the discussion on our connection with Adam and how exactly that works. And today we're going to look at another option. Yesterday we looked at the view known as federal headship, and that Adam is our our basically elected representative, or I should say unelected representative, but that he was chosen by God to represent all of humanity. And so when he chose to rebel and to sin, that that was then applied uh, across the board to humanity, and that it is what it is, he was our representative, and so, as Adam goes, so we go and we looked at some problems with that as well, but today, I want to look at another view known as seminal headship, and this is a very different view in some ways from federal headship. It still holds that Adam is sort of firmly in the driver's seat of what happens to all of humanity because he is he's the only Uh, man in the garden and his sin is different than Eve's in that Eve was deceived, as scripture says, but Adam willfully chose to disobey and to sin. And this is why uh, things sort of broke when Adam sinned and chose to eat of the fruit. But the seminal headship view takes an approach that's uh, much more rooted in Hebrew culture, actually, and it comes from this uh, uh, one passage anyway that we can look at would be Hebrews 7, 9, and 10, which says that one might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. And the idea here is that if we're to take this passage in Hebrews 7 at face value, that the reason that Levi can be said to have received tithes, even though he was not alive yet, is that in a sense he was alive in the loins of Abraham himself. This idea is really pre-existence of the soul uh, that we all, if this is to be a, if this is a, to be taken at face value with Levi and Abraham, then by sort of implication, there's really no reason to think that it wouldn't apply across the board to all other people as well. And if that's the case, then as we follow this sort of logical rabbit trail, then that means that every person was technically present in Adam, in the person of Adam if we all sort of pre-existed within Adam and therefore it wasn't just that Adam represented us in the garden, it's that we all in some way shape or form were actually there with him in the garden and in a way we participated because we were within Adam as he chose to sin and rebel. Now, if this seems really off the wall to you, you're not alone. Because again, as I said, this is a very uh, Hebrew concept. This is not a Western concept of the the human person. And so we have to sort of get our heads in a different space in order to think this way. But it is in many ways how the thinking went. And so uh, picture this by way of a analogy that That rather than um, us being sort of individual automatons and sort of like off doing our own thing, which is a very Western way of looking at people, that every people are individuals, Eastern and Middle Eastern cultures do not conceive and did not conceive of people in this way. And in fact, we can look at Eastern cultures to see that the, the collective, the group is far more emphasized than the individual. Uh, and sometimes to the point where the individual really doesn't mean much to that culture. And that's unfortunate. But in this case, think of an individual human or, or a family of humans as something akin to like sourdough bread or a, a vine, a creeping vine, that there is a, an actual organic connection to what came before it. Just in that way, if you take a a piece of sourdough bread and you sort of pull it off and you make a new loaf of sourdough bread, that is on the molecular level, if you will. It's identical to the sourdough bread that it came from. Uh, It is the same. Just like if we have a creeping vine and you have all these branches and offshoots and things But there's still an organic connection to the root that can be traced all the way back. So it doesn't matter how many generations pass from Adam, we all can organically make a direct connection back to Adam. And so if the vine is corrupted at the root, anything that grows off of that root will likewise be corrupted. John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. It's this idea that whatever we sort of have is what we can pass on. We can only pass on what we have. And what we have, again, if we're following this, this line of thinking, would be something like what we'd find in Galatians 6, 8. The one who sows, sows of his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. What we have is corruption. Corruption. Because Adam sort of introduced that corruption. And so if all we have is corruption, then that's all we can pass on. And so there's an actual organic connection between us and Adam that through our very flesh, as we continue to propagate the human species, sin just sort of comes along. It's, it's actually part of us as humanity now. So that's the view. The question is, is, Is are there any issues with it or problems we should think about? Well, absolutely. First, I would just say that this idea of, of pre-existence is, I'm not going to go so far as to say it isn't scriptural because right there in Hebrews 7, we have this notion of pre-existence. So that's not really quite accurate i will say that a lot of early church fathers and very early in the, the history of the church the idea of pre-existence was explicitly rejected as heresy that the pre-existence of the soul uh, rather the the traditional position of the church has been as it has interpreted scripture over the generations is that a soul is Born when a human being is conceived, that the soul is created in that moment of conception. Uh, Also, this idea of pre existence is found in other worldviews and even some Christian cults. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of Mormonism here. Uh, Mormonism very explicitly teaches pre existence of the soul. So these are things to think about in terms of that idea of pre existence. Another issue to think about is that when we're getting very technical but also accurate, no one ever is fully present within the body of the man. Now, this is an idea that was in ancient culture, is that the whole human person was resident within the man and then was in sort of garden, uh, in a, uh, gardening terms, it was planted within the woman to grow. Uh, this is why sometimes uh, sperm is referred to as uh, seed in the bible they, they literally thought of it in these terms but that's not from what we understand actually true no one no whole person is actually present within the man and so that's not accurate to talk about levi in this way and then this whole idea too would lead to this notion that our sin nature if there's a organic sort of physical connection to adam then somehow then our sin nature is passed through the sperm or our father we inherit sin nature through our fathers. Now, that's kind of a mind-blowing concept. The problem is you're not going to find a chapter or verse that teaches it. And to complicate matters further, Jesus in Luke chapter 3, when we get to his genealogy, is actually called the son of Adam. And so, if Jesus is technically organically related to Adam because of his lineage, then... How does that work then? If Jesus is a son of Adam, then shouldn't he have also inherited some sort of sin nature? Well, the only real explanation is it doesn't actually work like that. So it's an interesting theological system, but there are definitely some questions that need to be considered and thought about when we compare it very closely with scripture. So tomorrow I'm going to look at a third option for how we are actually connected to Adam. And I hope you'll join me then because I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion.